Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Binges with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Box Office Bingers. This is episode 204 and we are continuing our road to the Oscars. And so Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners which movie we are reviewing this week. Well, the movie we are reviewing today is The Zone of Interest. Starring Kristen Friedel and Sandra Hewler, written and directed by Jonathan Glazer, who also directed Under the Skin, came out, which came out in 2013. It's nominated for five Oscars as Best Picture, International Feature, Director, Adapted Screenplay, and Sound. And uh, I am curious to have this conversation with you later. <laughs> same sir same really curious (laughs) on your thoughts on this film i had it uh i had an interesting experience i had an interesting theater experience on this one oh okay Uh, i was i was put in a very small theater for this one uh like small i I guess i'm not typically in that theater so I don't think they were typically expecting a a a big turnout for people to go watch this movie my theater was um Oh, was it really? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, we went to a different experience. Because <laughs> my, my theater was quiet to where I felt like I was making too much noise for adjusting my straw on oh, my ice. Oh, I mean, oh, there was that. Oh, there was definitely. I mean, within the movie itself, yeah, there was definitely that. I had to adjust my chair. You know, you hear. Yeah. I was like, all right, I want to fix my legs, but. I don't want to move. <laughs> you feel like that you're being like you're being intrusive, just going, and he's like, I'm not, "Look, guys, I'm just just trying to move a straw. That's all." But, um, sound, but yes, sound I, is definitely the, a conversation when it comes to this movie. Ooh, that's a that's a good segue. Definitely, we're definitely going to be talking about how it plays into all of those Oscar noms, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I I you see. I feel like I don't know. I feel like these this is going to be one of those reviews when we go into it. I don't know where I don't know where you stand on this. I, I'm I being because, I'm being purposely vague. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's hard to see like if if you're going to be like woo or like whoa. You know what I mean? It's like if you know, you know type of deal. But um, anyway, that's going to be a very interesting conversation. It's also the last best picture that we have nom that we have to review, and I'm pretty sure. We've have made a separate episode for the nine other Oscar-nominated films. Mm, oh. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, nothing's. I, no, I'm not sure. Like, not, I'm like ninety percent sure we have done separate episodes for the other nine nominated. All right, let's see. Films. We have the holdovers. Yes, okay. American Fiction. Yes. yes, Zone of Interest. Yes, Barbie. Yes, Oppenheimer. Poor Things. Past Lives. Anatomy of a Fall. Maestro and Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. We reviewed them all, and actually, I made a boom. I made a um, boom mic drop. I made a um, 
I actually made a playlist on uh, YouTube. I'll tag it here somewhere. Um, that'll mm. link all of our past Oscar Best Picture nominations. It actually has, I think it's anything that's Oscar nominated because I got The Boy and the Heron on there, Godzilla, yeah, yeah. double feature when we did Godzilla Minus One. So if it was nominated mm-hmm. for the Oscars, it should be in that playlist or you can check it out in the 2023 playlist that I also made on YouTube. Oh, well, there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, so I am, I am kind of like interested now that when we get into that conversation of kind of wrapping up our best picture talk, because I think now we have a good idea of most nominations because when you nominated for best picture, you're most likely nominated for other awards as well. So the picture is becoming clearer as we get closer to the Oscar awards or the Academy awards, as well as our predictions episode, which would be in a few weeks, but all of that in due time. But first, as always, we're going to be diving into some entertainment news and kind of a little bit talking about the Oscars. Uh, We were going to kick off the news uh, this week by talking about actor Coleman Domingo, uh, because he's having a big week. Oh yeah. Just a huge week (laughs) to say the least. Uh, So just days after receiving the Oscar nomination for best actor for his work as civil rights leader, uh, Bayard Rustin and George C. Wolf's, Rustin, which you know that George C. Wolf, Wolf also directed Ma Randy's Black Bottom. I did not. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't. I, I, yeah, see I, that. Well, I saw. I, Ma, I saw that movie, but I didn't. I didn't get the connection. I didn't look at the yeah, director's we, best work. We we reviewed the movie we about did. two years ago. It was also nominated. Coleman Domingo was also in that movie. I believe he played one of the band members, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that tracks. Um, but now look at look at him two years later, and also into his future, which is quite incredible. Um. It was just announced that Coleman Domingo will direct, co-write, and star in a Nat Cole King biopic. The movie will be a musical and will mark Coleman Domingo's directorial debut. And what what a movie to, to what a movie to kick off your directorial uh, your directing An skills. Movie. And a very important movie. Um, it is unknown which time period of Nat Cole King's life the film will focus on, um, but this isn't Domingo's first rodeo as with Cole. Um, as he co-wrote the play Lights On, a uh, night, Lights On Nat King Cole with Patricia McGregor that premiered at the Jeffen Playhouse. Uh, that interpretation imagines what might have been going through the singer's mind during his 1957 Christmas special on the Nat Cole King Show, the first network program hosted by an African-American. Um, so it is curious to see that he's worked with this material before since he's also as a co-writer to this, I wonder if he's going to take some of that, what he written before oh. and put this in the movie. Oh, I'm sure. Right. It seems like that would be the natural course that you would take there. Well, this seems like, this seems like a project that is going to be very near and dear to his heart. And to be honest, mm-hmm. like I've always, I didn't realize that he was from, it took me a minute to realize that he was from the walking dead. Um, He's he's just fear fear the walking fear dead. the walking dead excuse me and uh, he's he's great like I just everything that he's been in I love I've just recently realized that a, a connection with certain projects and it's like oh yeah he was the best thing about that like he's just a fantastic actor um, he was fantastic in Rustin which I talked about last week um, I believe you're gonna I don't know your thoughts on it but I, I see you know you're gonna be talking about it this week as well um, yep yeah he's ha- he's definitely having a moment right now. Yeah, and especially, like, again, like, you, you made a good point. Like, this project seems to be near and dear to his heart. Obviously, he's worked on this on this material before, talking, writing about uh, Nat Cole King's life. 
or not King Cole's life. Um, but also now you're deciding like, you know, I'm going to kind of encompass everything about this. I'm going to be the the director. I'm going to be the writer. I'm going to star as Nat King Cole himself. I'm also most likely probably going to produce it. I didn't say that he was, but I, if you're that much involved, you're most likely going to be producing the project as well. So I feel like this is a, him being nominated for best actor in Rustin. I believe this is not the first time we might say that again. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure this is just it's, the start <laughs> of more. To yeah. Come. This definitely feels like a uh, a project that, if if done right, and most projects that are done with passion are done right, um, we can see this come around again the next year or two. Maybe we're talking about his performance again uh, for uh, maybe around the Oscar season as well. But I'm very curious to see this movie. His his performance in Rustin was easily the best part about that movie because he was like the movie focus on that character and he embodied that. And, and uh, I'll talk about it more in our, what you're watching, but yeah, the fact that he's able to like, he knows Rustin kind of proved that he can like own his own movie. Absolutely. And now that you're taking on a even more, I would say more important, but another figure in American history, then yeah. Yeah. I I'm all about this. And I don't believe we've had a Nat King Cole biopic before. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of documentaries, but in a movie setting, I don't think we've had that before. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but on top of that big news, uh, it was also announced that Coleman Domingo and Nia Long um, have been cast as Joe and Catherine Jackson, the father and mother of pop star Michael Jackson, in the upcoming biopic Michael, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, so not only is he taking on that King Cole, he's now also taking on Joe Jackson, which is I feel like are going to be two completely different roles. Oh, of uh, course. Well, of course. But what's yeah? <clears throat> excuse me. What's interesting about that is that it's Anton Fuqua um, who did. Uh, didn't he do uh, Moonlight? No, no, he did Training, training Day, day. and all That's the. Right. That's right. He did Training Day, the Equalizers, all three of them. Um, he's had his hidden misses in his career, um, but he's 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 definitely. This is definitely an interesting project for Antoine Fuqua. Well, this though. is going to be so controversial because, I mean, Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. life is, you know, depending on, you know, just everything surrounding everything, all the controversies and the things, his his surgeries and his kids. Like, yeah. there's just so many different parts of his life. I'm just very curious of what exactly they're going to focus on and it, with them bringing his dad in so there's going to be a significant and if coleman domingo's playing it and nia long who's arguably just as big a name as coleman right um, it'll be interesting to see how they how what part of michael's life they focus on yeah and we still don't know if it's more of like an elvis situation where it's all encompassing of his entire career i believe that's what it is i think they're going to be picking different points of his life and kind of highlighting that um but for all we know they could have changed the script and now we're dealing with something that's more focused on a particular moment in his life so um definitely a huge undertaking for antoine fuqua for sure and we do we talked about a while back that they hired uh or they casted michael jackson's nephew as as playing at least a young, if not all of Michael Jackson. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to portray that, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing Michael Jackson yeah, for the entirety of the movie. I've seen a couple of set photos, and it, it actually looks good. There's one out there with him in, like, the black and white suit with the hat, and he's yep. up on it. You know what I'm talking about? And he's in, like, mm-hmm. a, I've seen um, it. must be, like, a dancing studio or something. And in just that, like, yeah. I mean, it's a still. There's not much you can get from it, but 
like you could just tell just on his costume like oh, the, what they have him wearing like it's that there's some care going to be put into it yeah absolutely and so and then i'm also going to be talking about coleman domingo a little bit more can you mentioned a little bit earlier how uh like you go back down his 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 um filmography and he's like oh yeah he was in this and he was in that i was unaware that he was also in the color purple a movie i'm going to be talking about in my what you're watching as well and so like all of a sudden now he's just he's everywhere he's just He's everywhere all of a sudden, um, which is good for him. Um, and, <laughs> and what I find interesting about his performance in The Color Purple is that he plays more of a, uh, I wouldn't say a villain, but he, he's not a well-liked character okay. in in that movie. So now going that to see like, okay, he played this character in The Color Purple, going into Joe Jackson, who is also controversial in his own right. Maybe the most he's not also well-liked, so taking that performance. But then you have Rustin, who is well-liked and is portrayed so in the film, and then he's playing Nat King Cole as well, who is most likely going to be a likable character and likable persona of it. So, like, he's very versatile well, in, in what he's doing and also very particular of the roles that he's picking. What, what I will say is that, yes... In Rustin, it is a little bit. It, there is more of a positive connotation to it, but mm-hmm. it seems in the movie you either loved him or you hated him based on who, based on who he was. So there is, there is, he does handle those roles that are kind of layered, where you either love yeah. him or hate him, or that if you hate him, that he doesn't care. Like he is, he, right, he's right. very yes. good at playing he who he is. I am who I'm gonna be. Like in that, yeah. you know, I don't know. He plays those roles very well. Yeah, he really does. And and the last thing I want to say about Coleman Domingo, last week when we were talking about his Oscar nomination, uh, I told you that there were early rumors out there. There was word spreading that he might be playing Kang um, in the MCU, given that now, like, it was so funny how those rumors came up, and then we got clear confirmations of his next two performances and his next two roles. I think it's safe to say he is no longer either he's no longer considering yeah. playing Kang, he's, if that was even an option on the table. Yeah, he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a busy guy right now. So uh, if they are looking for a new king, I think they're going to have to find somebody else. Yeah, we'll hope. Let's just hope that they just don't do that. <laughs> well, I, they, you know, they haven't listened to us in the past. Hopefully they might this time. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but congratulations to Coma Domingo. Kind of an, like, I, don't want, I wouldn't want to say he's up and coming, but he's definitely now the shining star. He is a leading man now pushing his way through Hollywood, getting these roles. You're seeing more of him, and uh, I'm just happy to see it. Absolutely. And, you know, I am equally excited for this next set of news. Uh, House of Mm -hmm. Dragon actress Millie Alcock has been officially cast as Supergirl in James Gunn and Peter Saffron's DC Universe. James Gunn took the social media to confirm the news, saying, this is accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Because, I mean, it's so crazy. Like, all the news around DC, there's... There is an unbelievable amount of just sites that just post random rumors. Like there's just mm-hmm. rumors galore. And it it's funny that it like nothing is confirmed. We've talked about it before. Like yeah. we're not gonna talk about it unless he confirms it. Cause really, like what's like what's the rush? Like what what right, what is right. the rush of that? So he said this is accurate. Millie Millie is a fantastically young, talented young actor, and I'm incredibly excited about being part of her being part of the DCU. Yes. 
I became first aware of her in House of Dragon, but I was blown away by her varied audition and screen tests for Supergirl. It's unclear whether Alcock will appear in Superman Legacy, though she is reportedly expect. Didn't he write Superman Legacy? So he would know. Actually, he would know if she's going to be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he would know, but he didn't say <laughs> yeah, anything exactly. about it. It's unclear whether well, she'll be in the movie, though she is, she is reportedly expected to appear in a DCU film before taking on the role of the title character in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. I think that's a safe assumption that she would be in Superman yeah. Legacy. Um, I think that this is a great casting. And that I mentioned to you before. So I'm actually um, reading Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. And I mm-hmm. and I wasn't really excited for this one. But man, is that a really, really good story. Uh, it, was ri- really? it was written by Tom King, who I'm a huge fan of. He wrote... A, hu- a long run for Batman during the um, the Rebirth Batman run. And it's arguably like one of my favorite Batman runs. Like so many pivotal things happen during his storyline. And he mm. just, he has that similar approach. Like in the first, in the first um, issue, like uh, uh, a main character, a main Superman character dies. Like in the story. I've, I don't know what happens oh, okay. in the end because I'm not there yet, but. Right. Um, the writing is good. I think she's obviously, she was fantastic in House of Dragon. She was arguably the best thing, a part of that series. Obviously, you know, we're going to yeah. be looking, I'm looking forward to her in season two, but I'm equally excited for her role in this. And I, I think she could be better than, um, the Supergirl that we had in, uh, the Flash. Uh, in the, oh, in the Flash? Yeah, I can agree to that for sure. She even has the look. Um, I mean, if you look here at the side by side. Like she even has the look of Supergirl. She's got that young, that young look, blonde hair. Like she's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for it. I, I am curious if she is going to be in House of Dragon season two. I don't know if that's confirmed because half the season was like taking place during a younger, like a, a in the past, mm-hmm. and then that second half was older. I don't know if they're gonna do that again. If they're, if they're just gonna keep moving forward with that story, so we're never gonna see a younger version of them again. Uh, or we just might see flashbacks and where they're appearing. I am curious if, if she will appear again in season two. But I, I've even told you when I saw House of Dragon that I was so used to these characters for the first five episodes that I was like, no, I wanted to stay with these characters for the rest of the season because I felt like halfway through I had to get myself readjusted to these older versions of the characters where I already just did that with the younger versions. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, she was a steen, a scene stealer, a standout for sure in House of Dragon. Absolutely. Um, so when when I saw her cast as Supergirl, I was like, yeah, I mean, we're we're doing good at casting young actors in these big, important roles. And I think James Gunn is taking a playbook from Marvel in the sense that you are you are you're grabbing actors who are not movie stars. And you're making and so like stars. you're picking and in your yes, yeah, and you're making them movie stars. I think a good example is Chris Pratt when he was uh, when he got into Star Lord for Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he was known for being these, you know, in these comedic roles and Parks and Rec and all this stuff. And so then when with a little bit of training, <laughs> when he bulks up, and then you put him in the leading role because he was the right person for the job, then you get into like now he now he's a hollywood man now he's a lead actor and you see him all these action movies now and they built him to that and but what made guardians of the galaxy so great is not like oh that is so and so because he's an action star and he needs to be in his action movie 
That's not how it works. Well, that's not how you gotta, that's not how James Gunn picks his characters, which we've seen time and time again. Right, exactly. And so now we moving into what he's doing. He I forgot his name uh for Superman, but he picked oh, also uh, a young David Cornset. Yes, thank you. Um they he picked him as a as a young Superman, a person who is not he, he was well known, he's done a couple of things, but not like huge. And and obviously he's about to be. And obviously with Millie um, Alcock, it, it's again in the same vein of that. So I think so far every casting announcement that we've talked about has been great. Yeah, I'm 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 just really looking forward to this. And actually, when I go to MegaCon, uh, my plan is to meet Tom King, and I have oh. have him sign uh, my Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow issue one. Are Are you going to get it? Uh, yeah, it'll what, be added. Graded? It'll be added to the collection. Yes. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay, that that was mainly my question. I mean, I mean if, if, when you've already started, you might as well keep going with it, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try to ask um, him like in questions about the movie. I'll, he's probably not gonna know anything, but I'm just gonna I'm no. gonna I'm gonna try anyway. <laughs> uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I forgot the woman's name, but they also have like an unknown writer writing it as well. I don't think she's written a theatrical film before. So like again, starting for the people ground up working their way up to these projects and i think if anything james gunn had learned that uh from being with marvel and his, his many years and you know making films and everything so so far they're in the step of the right direction and i hope marvel themselves are taking notes into that of how they're moving forward with their future projects after the slump that they've been having the last couple of years and we've talked about it before and and like we know that they're scaling back on a few projects. We know Deadpool 3 is the only movie that's coming out in 2024 with a couple of other animated uh, TV shows coming out um, for this year. So, again, I think 2024 is the calm year when it comes to, like, I was reading an article about superhero content, and there's not much out coming out this year where Sony is dominating yeah. with Madam Web, Craven the Hunter, and, and Venom 3. They're kind of carrying the tentpole when it comes to superhero projects because we're not getting anything from DC and we're only getting one movie from 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 Marvel. So mm. I think this is good. I agree. Like, give it time to breathe. And like, I'm really not excited for any one of those Sony movies. But I, I want to be like, I want I, I, I want to be excited for Madam Web. But then something's like, do you remember? <laughs> hey, you remember a little movie called Morbius? <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm gonna watch it. <sighs> yeah. Love it or hate it, it, it I'm is gonna watch it. it. Yeah, but I I just don't know. I like I can't walk in there being like, oh yeah, here we here go. We go. It, I'm not. I'm not. It, you got to prove that because you've proven time and time again that these aren't great movies. So I hope one of these three movies will hit. Craven the Hunter uh, better this, be it because that's a really it, it that's like a that's, really good storyline that they don't need to fuck up. <laughs> that that's probably the one that I'm I'm interested in the most yeah. is Craven the Hunter. And plus that's uh, um, that's uh Aaron Taylor Johnson's going to be Craven the Hunter. I mean, he's he's yeah. fantastic. So But Yeah, and I like him. Yeah, exactly. But as far as Supergirl's concerned, it's going to yes. be um, this is an amazing this is amazing casting news. The story, mm-hmm. I mean, just getting started on a story, the story is fantastic. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to this. One. I wasn't looking forward to this until I started reading the until I started reading the comic book. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have not started reading the comic book, obviously, but I, I'm, I'm just more excited about James Gunn being in DC and kind of headlining it. So like any project for me, I'm like, you have my attention for your first phase. Like, how is this going to either connect or what stories do you want to tell to eventually connect? 
um, all that stuff. It's like, you have me for your first phase, James Gunn. Let's see what you do with I'm it. I'm sure he'll keep you on. I mean, look what he did for Guardians. Look for look yeah, what he look what, look what he did for from David Ayer Suicide Squad, and then was able to make a <laughs> successful sequel off of a, a movie that was not that good. The the first one, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <coughs> so with that, moving on from DC to musician and producer Pharrell Williams is teaming up with Focus Features and the Lego Group to create piece by piece a Lego animated biopic about the life of Pharrell Williams. A very, very interesting sentence, yes. to say the least. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor documentary director Morgan uh, Neville um, will be directing the film. Per the press release, uninterested in making a traditional film about his life, Pharrell is set to tell his story in a way that would set audiences' imaginations free. Developed from his singular vision, piece by piece, defines genres and expectations to transport audiences into a Lego world where anything is possible. The film will debut in theaters October 11th, 11th, 2024. Um, I think this can go two ways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this could either be a bomb, yeah. <laughs> first of all, or this could could have the potential to redefine Lego movies in general, as well as animation in general, and how you tell stories either using Legos and animation and in a biopic form. This has a lot of potential to be great. It does, but it could easily go the other way. And I just, uh, I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of hopeful because I mean, it, it's yeah. just, it's something different. And it, and if anything, it'll be like, oh, well, that was a thing that I watched. And now I know <laughs> about Pharrell's life in Lego form. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but I feel like, I think Lego has an opportunity because also it's focus features, mm. which is also a big, like, okay. Like they are known for making good stories, quality yeah quality films good stories like how we associate a24 we associate with focus features so i don't think their focus feature would attach themselves to a like a fun kid-friendly project um that's the way i i just see it like, i they, i they haven't done it in the past and i don't think they're going to do this now so i think by pharrell williams going to lego is like i want to tell this story through that they have an opportunity to deliver us a biopic that we've truly never seen before. Mm. And that could be something that we could be talking about at next year's Oscars. Even it's like, wow, look how, look how transformative they were able to make this, this story through Legos and, and all this stuff. And like, it can be a powerful movie if they want it to be mm. like, it, it has that potential to be that I, when I, when I saw this, I'm like, this is very different and it could be that. But then again, to your point, it could not. And then it's just like a silly movie that he's deciding to use Legos in and also tell the story of his life. So mm. it's an interesting take, it's, man. I'm, I, I was, I'll be honest. I was not excited about it, but mm -hmm. I'm excited. About, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be with you on this one. I, I need to see a trailer to confirm my thoughts, but just going off of his, of just the pure announcement, I was like, yeah, this could be something. But then obviously once we see the trailer, we're gonna be like, all right, this is this will make it or break it at this yeah. point. Um it's like, oh of, like how that was trash. 
<laughs> or or in the sense of like, oh, the, you're you're just having fun, which is fine. You can make a fun movie with Legos, but you know, I, I can see it in a different way as well. So a lot of potential here. Obviously, we'll know more as we come to uh, October of this year. And um, yeah, I, I don't know of a lot of animated films. Oh, no, we have Kung Fu Panda coming out. Kung Fu Panda 4 coming out this year. We also have Inside Out 2 from Pixar. Mm. I don't think Disney's coming out with any movies this year. I could be wrong on that. Um, but it, it could, you know, it could be sitting in a realm of like, interesting animations that we get uh for this year it'll at least be something different. Um, it'll be something different to check could, out at, at the very least agree at the very least um so there you go that's all the news we have for you guys this week um not much to talk about but we got a little something we we're able to grab something there for you if you want more from us uh you can always follow us on our social media channels on instagram at box office underscore bingers and our facebook and threads page at box office bingers you will find all the latest and breaking news over there first and then we'll come back in the show and we'll talk about it so with that we're going to be diving into a fun thing we like to call what you watch and so ernesto we'll start with you what have so you i've got watched? a few things i'm going to start with I, I wish i was i wish i was fancy like you and i would make my graphics together and put them together like you do. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just not on your level yet, Matt. So the first it's okay. So I, I wanted to start knocking out the documentary shorts because at, at the very least, if I get crunch for time, I can go to the theater and do the viewing of either all the shorts and of all the of all the either the live oh, action live action shorts and the um, animated shorts. Those usually hit the theaters. So if I get caught for time, I know that I can go to this place and I can watch all of them at once. So Fair. now I think my first focus is going to be documentary shorts, and then I'll probably hit once I finish the documentary shorts, then I'll probably hit um, the documentaries, and then I'll go and mm-hmm. then I'll go from there to see uh, even right. animated and then. I'll probably do live action animated, whichever one has the most available. I'll try to knock that, those out. Um, so to start, I did. I watched an, an Island in Between, um, a film by Leo Xiang. He uh, it's it's kind of talking about him being he has like a triple citizenship: one in Vietnam, one in China, and one in the U.S. And it kind of talks about the differences between and especially the tensions between Taiwan and China, where they don't recognize. Um, Taiwan as its own country, they recognize they recognize it as a providence of China. So it it doesn't really go into a lot of the geopolitical issues, but it does kind of mm-hmm. it does kind of showcase highlights the issue in a, from the viewpoint from the viewpoint of uh, from somebody who's from that area. So it was it was actually okay. really interesting. It's about uh, twenty to thirty minutes. Um, it was a really easy watch. It it was good. I can definitely see why it was nominated. Um, very similar. The other one I watched was the ABCs of, of book banning. That one's actually mm-hmm. um, so. Actually, Island in Between it, it was available on YouTube, and ABCs of book banning is actually available on Paramount Plus. Very similar sentiment. Um, I, I understood what they were doing. This is such a high, highly contested issue with with all books being banned. I. Mm-hmm. I like that they showcase the books and they give you excerpts from the book, but then they just tell you it's challenged or banned. Like as far as like a documentary, what I would have wanted is more of a nuanced opinion where you give mm. me both sides of the issue and then my takeaway is what I make of it. Like I shouldn't have to look like like I was curious. I was like, you know, they're telling me, oh, these books are banned. These books are challenged. I would have just maybe give me the excerpt, like give me a clip of 
whoever senator whatever the bill is or whatever like somebody detailing of why that book got banned or give me a written statement or i don't know you could have i felt like there there's there was room for there to be more like just for us like because this these things should inspire conversations so whereas this was it was good because it does highlight the issue but it's more of like these is bad all there's no reason why these books should be banned and that's and that's true their books shouldn't be banned but then well then let's dive into the if you're going to talk about it let's dive into the nitty-gritty of the issue so let's let's right. pick apart and see why are they banning it so then us as the viewer can go well now i see why i could either go well i see why that's banned or i can see why that's an issue or no like that's wrong and then that pushes the issue like you you've highlighted both sides of the issue and we can all clearly see that this person is wrong right but it it was fine it was fine i you know it, it brought awareness to the issue um this other one that i watched i actually really enjoyed it's called the barber of little rock and it's about this man who um who starts this this small bank and he's giving loans to underdeserved uh, african-american communities and it's he just he talks about you know growing generational wealth and helping people get on their feet and people who would typically be turned down from banks um and just what they're doing for their community it was it was really this is out of all the shorts that i want the documentary shorts so far this one has been my this one has been my favorite um, I really, okay. I really enjoyed this one. I, I really recommend it. This is a, this is. Thank you. Shout out to the New Yorker who always has their shit available for everybody. Uh, yes. <laughs> like they just throw it up on their YouTube. Like it's about getting, and this is what I really enjoy. This is like this is getting it out there, getting the message out there. You know, showcasing the issue. Let us talk about it. You know, this is this is mm-hmm. something that oh, this is a problem. You know, they have interviews from people who are really struggling, and they. You know, they talk about issues they've had with other banks and why they were denied. And like they talk about this one guy who's a small business owner and he's he's depositing his money into this bank. And this bank will still still refuses to even have a conversation with him to to give him some kind of loan or whatever the issue may be. But yet they're still taking his money every week. So it's like, well, that's kind (laughs) of weird. Like. Like yeah. oh I'm I'm yeah. good enough for you to take my money every week at on a business that I've that I've shown consistency that I've been depositing and that I'm making revenue, but that's not enough to warrant you know some kind of assistance to help me to scale and grow my business and that's really what it's about because right. then he can build for his family and then um, he he you know he teaches it he runs a barbershop where he teaches people how to you know not only be a barber, but how to like promote yourself. He's like, you don't want to open your own barbershop. What you want to do is work at somebody else's barbershop. You build your client list and then you open your own barbershop. He's like, you have to grow your network first, build your clients. Like, and then he talks about presentation. It's just, it was, it was very, very informative. It was very, it was super interesting. Um, It was really well done. So, so far out of, out of all of them, this one is kind of on my high contender, on my high contender list. <clears throat> and then to round out my what you're watching this is a movie that i did not anticipate this, mm. that you also have on your um what you're watching yes. list and i have to tell you that i did not expect to enjoy this movie as much as i did i thought same and but and that being said i am a sucker and for those who are just listening i'm actually i'm talking about the movie naiad with jodie foster and annette benning um annette benning is um is it best actress? 
she's nominated for? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, and that bending is for Best Actress, and Jodie Foster for is for Best Supporting Actress. Like, yeah. I'm a sucker for like a story of somebody face the challenge and they're they're facing they're pushed up against the odds but this is a true story of what this woman went Mm -hmm. through to swim from cuba to key west and it is a fantastic heartwarming story and it because it's not only a story of her journey and what she went through but it's also about her relationship with um jodie foster's character and like what how pivotal she was with her like you know one of this one of the scenes in the end of the film when they're talking after she completes the task you know she says you know swimming is a solo sport but it really takes a team and that was and they actually show live footage um Mm -hmm. where she actually said that exact same thing and i think they really honed in on that in the movie and to be honest like i would have been i mean i have to i want i would want to recheck the for adaptive screenplay but man it was absolutely fantastic there were parts where i was yelling i was crying like i was crying with her i was like you fucking swim i'm i am there (laughs) with you like let's do this (laughs) uh it was it was just so good i was just pleasantly surprised yeah i i was also blown away by this movie it's a movie that i originally wrote off because i I, because i wrote i saw the trailer for and i was like eh, it seems predictable right Without going into further research in the movie, I'm just looking at it as a movie. And like with with the amount of movies that we watch on a on a weekly basis, it's like every now and then there's one that you mess up on. Like you you watch the trailer and this is all the this is also the importance of a good trailer. We had the same experience with the holdovers. Yeah. Like the holdovers looked like it was going to be a bad movie and we wrote it off and then it was getting all the positive buzz then it was getting looked at for best picture i was like what really and then you watch the movie and you're like oh wow that was a fantastic movie and so then say i think the same kind of goes for naiad as well where i saw the trailer overlooked it and then all of a sudden if it wasn't for the oscars i probably would have continued just going about my days not knowing about this movie and then you sit down and watch it mainly because of the um uh, again, the, the this movie is nominated for two Oscars for Best Actress and for Best Supporting Actress. And so, like, me going into this movie, I was like, all right, I got a mission. I'm looking at these two actors, like, the, what they're nominated for. I want to form opinions. But then I get wrapped up in the 100%. story. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I was like, wait a minute. This is now, like, you put a different hat on. Like, I have my Oscars hat on. It's like, all right, why why are you nominated? Because people... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're being, like, this critic now. It's like, yeah, why are you nominated? Why did you get the top five and all that stuff? And then, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait a minute. You take off the hat. It's like, I'm just watching this movie oh, now. Like, this yes. is... Exactly. This, this Exactly wait, that. You're like, wait, <laughs> this, this is this is very good. Like, I wasn't expecting it. Like, I was... Ex- honestly, I was expecting, like, a hard drama where it was just like sad and sappy and all this stuff. And it was like inspirational. It was uplifting. It was the, there was like, like humor throughout the movie. Yes. It was entertaining. It's what a movie should, should be. I, it, it, it's, it's something to appeal to a mass audience. I mean, and there's just certain aspects of the movie that were just so crazy. Like when you're swimming with her and obviously it's, taking her perception of what was happening but it's like you see right. like her going through the hallucinations with her it's like can you imagine just mm-hmm. you've been swimming for 20 plus hours and all of a sudden you see the yellow brick road leading to the Taj Mahal <laughs> Taj Mahal yeah <laughs> and then what what uh, and actually what that scene in particular like where you see that she's struggling but then Jodie Foster is just like 
You could tell how hard yeah. it was for her to tell her to keep pushing, but she knows like that's her person. And then you know she talks about it all the time. Like that's her person. Like they were like they love each yeah. other. Like she's her sister. She's her confidant. I mean, they dated because she um year they mentioned it very briefly that they dated very that briefly. they dated very very early on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic film. I mean, she became the first human and LGBTQ woman to swim across to swim that ever. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it just, at the just, age of um, 63, 64? 64, I believe. Or was she 63? Look, what year did... Okay. Um, but yet the fact that what also surprised 64, me was 64. September 2nd, 2013. Okay, so 64. So what also surprised me was that when we were getting to like the first time she was trying again, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, we're pretty early <laughs> yes. into this movie. Yeah. I, I figured that, and the part of me figured that the rest of this movie was just going to be, I was like, wow, we're going to be really going along this journey with her because there's no way she's going to do this again, right? And and because they made a point earlier in the movie that you're 60, like, what are you, like, you can't do this again. And the fact that she attempted this a total of, a total of five times, but four times at the age of between 60 to 64, um, it's quite incredible uh, to kind of witness that uh, when I will, we, I mean, we were alive for, for the last attempts, but it, it's kind of crazy how you can live through a time and this kind of just pass by your radar. Yeah. Like this is a monumental event. And I knew nothing about this. Like I was, I was an adult when this happened and I, <laughs> I was technically, and, a, I was not a child. I was, I was a person of I the world. I did not know that this happened I, in the world exactly, of social media I, I, too. Like, <laughs> Right. I was like, I was consuming of the news. I was worthy of understanding what the news was trying to tell me. And this particular piece of news just went like right over my head, not even close, <laughs> right over it. And you're like, what? Like, how did I not know about this? It seems like a pretty big this deal. Fucking, this is um, a major deal. This is, is yeah. incredible what this woman went through. And like the fact that, I mean, after getting stung by box jellyfish, I'd have been like, you know what? Mm. I think this is God's way of telling me I need to sit the fuck down. Like, <laughs> yeah. And she said, "Fuck you, hold my beer." Like, <laughs> yeah. So, and she tried it twice after yes. that from that moment. But then, like at that, when you see her try again, you feel for her yes. when it doesn't work out because you know how much time and effort and energy. And then I think the movie did a great job of not showing her pain, but her team's yes. pain and how selfish she was being. And I think part of it was like, if it wasn't until she was able to see that this is not a solo sport, this is a team effort. Then she was able to persevere and get to the end goal, which when she got to key West, um, there was part of me where I was like, at this point, I know that she's, I know they they completed it, but there was part of me that it would have been like an evil twist if some, one of those people touched her as she's trying to walk up the the beach there. It's like, he's like, no one touch her. Like, and my head's like, nobody fucking touch her. I just watched this woman go through a two hour journey on this. <laughs> I swear to God, don't ruin it for her. Um, but yeah, again, I, I to your, to your sentiment, I was quite blown away with this movie. Um, Given that it was only nominated for best actress and best supporting actress and not it, it, and it wasn't even in the conversation for best picture, which that kind of shocks me. Like nothing about this movie was even in question of the best picture race. And it was the only nominations that it were getting was for Annette Benning 
And and for my opinion, I thought I was like, oh, is the it's like it's that that one movie, that one odd movie that's get nominated. The Academy looks yes. at and you're like, oh, OK, so she probably did something the Academy liked. Um, and but the movie's not that great. And then you watch the movie. It's like, well, shit, the movie's actually really Fucking good. So movie. why? Why? Did, <laughs> it was a fantastic. Why stop there? Right. Why stop at just the actor and supporting uh, actress and supporting actress? And and then this also dives into the conversation of the snubs. Right. If you were to look at all the nominations and we can do that, but we'll do that in, you know, in our Oscars predictions episode. But obviously, the big conversation throughout this whole Oscar snub race was like Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. And then you look at it as like, well, what Annette Benning did for the role. And then you look at the Academy and all that stuff. And I can 100 percent understand why the academy gravitated to not only this movie but her performance in at, general at the I very mean, least let's just, the very least that you could recognize is each of these women's performance absolutely and then on top of that right it's like let's let's be fair most of the academy members are old <laughs> so they should appreciate right? this movie <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying it's like you see a woman of her age doing these impossible, incredible things. Of course, the Academy is going to resonate with that. Yeah. Because like, oh, that could that that I mean, you can you would spark inspiration for an older generation, you know, so like, yeah, this makes complete sense. Again, surprise that it kind of stopped there at the acting uh, categories and not gone further up to you said even screenplay or even best it. picture. I think it's based off of the book written about her life um so mm-hmm. I, I mean it absolutely should have been nominated for screenplay i mean i was completely enthralled in this movie i was yeah. watching the end of the movie before i had to go back to work and i was crying <laughs> at the table okay yeah. i was in tears watching the end of this movie <laughs> are you um, okay yeah just she's so strong she she's so strong <laughs> um i also love how they incorporated um real life footage yes. in there not just most movies kind of do it at the end right but this movie was like if, if you were paying attention you can see the aspect ratios and the resolutions switch a little bit from the real footage yeah. and the, the the footage for the movie so i liked how they cleverly incorporated those moments throughout the film and uh, also it was uh directed by uh a pair of documentarians um, if you ever saw the documentary Free Solo, which oh. won for best documentary, <laughs> That's such a great documentary. That documentary is so right. good. <laughs> and they also did a documentary off of the movie that we really like, Thirteen Lives, when they saved the another the the third. And it was a fantastic movie, but they directed the documentary, which is called The Rescue. Mm. Um, and so two of like this, uh, you you hear that, and like these these feats of incredible, like the odds are stacked against them, but yet they've defied all those odds to complete a goal. And then you make a movie, not a documentary, mind you, a movie about these this event. And them as filmmakers now, like you you were also you're you're showcasing real life events and you're doing it in a very engaging way. Now you made a film version of that. They have a lot of potential making movies in the future that are not documentaries. I 100% agree. Like, I, I want to see more from whoever wrote this movie and from whoever directed this movie. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. 
just it was just so enjoyable it was just so like it was just so good through and through their performances like you feel like like you said like you were with naiad in the water like you i felt like i was yeah. there with her like their performances really pulled me in there was times i was feeling for jodie foster like her looking at her and her when she's telling her to keep going like you could see the pain in her eyes of like she just yeah. wants to tell her friend she just wants to get her friend back on the boat so she can you know not be hurt but she knows that this is something that she needs to do and that for her to really be there for her she has to suffer through this with her right and i i think it's easy to say that sure again we can go down and see and we're gonna have again we're gonna have a more in-depth conversation in our oscars predictions episode in a few weeks but i can say this for sure that annette benning and jody foster deserve their nominations absolutely this yes. wasn't oh yes 100% yeah agree. yes absolutely yeah like this is this was not a throwaway from the academy that they saw something that we didn't know this was well earned on both of their parts and so very well deserved nominations for them um i i think the only negative thing i can do is like i wish it was given more praise more recognition yeah, um, but i think it's getting the recognition now given those oscar nominations hell Again, it was movies that we wrote off and then we watched it and we were like, wow, how did I how did I write this movie off when it's so yeah. good? I, I'm kind of glad that we both were able to watch it in the same week. I don't know if we planned that. Um, no, it, I think it just ended up working out like that. But I'm glad that we were both able to see it within the same time frame just so that we could kind of like give the movie its love that it really deserves to have. Absolutely. Afternoon. And this is also part of our and I and I feel like. This, we have a, an opportunity where we haven't had before when it comes to leading up to the Oscars, the road to the Oscars, is that because we've did our due diligence and we're focusing on like all the best picture nominations, what end up being the best picture nominations in previous episode and give it its time, then we can now properly go down the line and just on your watch you're watching you went through some of the documentary shorts we're talking about the some of the some of the movies we didn't hit so then we can each episode we could most likely we're probably going to be talking about these leading up to our predictions and giving it its moment while we then go into our predictions episode and kind of all right now what does that all that mean but we can still talk about each project individually and then talk to talk about as a whole when we get to that predictions episode. Yeah, I'm kind of, I put everything else on hold. I mean, I'm watching stuff with my wife, but everything else right now yeah. is just, uh, is, is just talk. Oh, I will say the one other thing that I did get to finish and you'll be very pleased is that I finished Loki. And I finished Loki. <gasps> oh, you can't, you can't just not talk about that. What the hell? <laughs> I forgot. I even forgot, Matt. I even forgot to pull the picture. Yeah, I'm about to go back to the two yeah. shot. We were talking about this. I've been waiting. I've been waiting way too long for this conversation. Literally, sir. I literally just remembered. I was like, yeah, I'm only watching this. I was like, oh yeah, wait, we did. Um, we did finish the 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 last season. We did finish Loki. I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to continue it. I thought the way they can the way they kind of soft close the whole Kang storyline. Like it was very mm -hmm. much a throwaway line. Even they they yeah. meant they briefly mentioned Ant Man like oh yeah they took care they took care of it over in that six one six universe it's like oh yeah. okay well I guess that's done <laughs> <laughs> right exactly right like as I was explaining this whole time it's like it feels like they're at they're a stopping point they took a pause on it they don't have to continue if they don't need to but they left it open that they could just say oh well they were wrong they didn't see this right they didn't see this thing and now I'm right, back exactly. again. But probably not, because <laughs> Disney fired me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of Loki, like, where he is as a character? I think he's 
I mean, I think it's a beautiful end to his arc because he he starts as this selfish person. I mean, we're going all the way back to the beginning, and now we ended where he is he is committing the ultimate sacrifice because using yes. his magic to con- he is at the center of our universe. So he is Jonathan Majors. Kang is not he who remains. Loki is now he who remains because he even goes mm-hmm. to that he even goes to that place and ties and is using his magic to create the tree and i thought it was a beautiful callback to make it a tree now just like the tree yeah. in loki that has all the different yes. worlds so it i mean it was great it, it served its purpose i don't necessarily see a season three unless right? unless it ties into this whole multiverse thing or something's gonna break mm-hmm. and loki gets free and the timelines go awry again but I mean, we'll see. I guess, you know, is Loki 3 season season 3? Has that been confirmed yet? Do you know? No, no, they haven't confirmed it. I think when, if I'm not mistaken, because they announced season 2 right at, at the end of season 1. So I think they always knew it was going to be a two-season uh, affair. Like, they knew it was going to be, uh, Loki was going to be at least two seasons. But, again, I made the comparison to after the Mandalorian season 2, when you see Luke Skywalker come up and grab Grogu, and then they go off. And it's like, when you end on such a high you have to then bring it more if you're going to continue into a third season and i feel like loki ended on such a high you have to give me a real reason to continue off of that and or just stay there like as as a show like stay there as a show and then maybe continue his character in the movies or however you decide to continue the multiverse saga but as a show, I think you're good. I agree. I think you're done now. I agree. Like that's it's too big of a high that you ended it on for me to be like, can't wait for season three. It's like, I don't know, man. He seems pretty good where he is right now. <laughs> seems like a lot of things would go bad if he moved. It's like I think I think right, he's exactly. I think he's pretty much stuck in that chair. <laughs> yes. I do I have the uh it's it's I can, I'm gonna grab it. No, it's right here. Hold on, hold on. I have I got for those watching on YouTube. I love the scene so much that they came out with the uh, the pop for it, Ooh. and it's him sitting on the throne. And it is as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "Yep, I'm buying it. That's it, right <laughs> That's there. <mine>. That's happening." <laughs> it's it is nice, and I, I it was like a I, I didn't hear about it before. I think maybe I got like a week notice that it was coming out, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we're dropping." It. It's like, "Well, I'm going to be spending money." For it. <laughs> um. <laughs> um but but yeah, either way, I was t- t- again. It was in my top five for uh, the the best TV shows I saw this year. Um, and it, it, again, it just shows what Marvel can do when you give it time and respect to a character. And that show brings me back in to why I like Marvel so much because we spend so much time investing in these characters. And when you give us these moments, like when when Iron Man makes the ultimate sacrifice, the end of Endgame, and the same goes for Loki season two, it feels so earned and justified and just feels so right that like you, this is it. Like you, this is the reason why I watch these stories and commit to the brand. Um, it's just now lately it hasn't been fulfilling as much as it used to be. But again, we talked about this and hopefully in the future they could change that. Um, but for now, they did really good with Loki. Yeah, uh, but it'll be great. I think. I think you're right. I think if they do another season, it's going to be too much. Yeah, I. It will be if and if they do another season, they they better have a damn good story to tell. 
because that's going to be a hard, a hard sell yeah, for me. It's going to take a lot of convincing uh, for me to come back. Yes. Um, but anyway, so thank you for letting me know about Loki because I've been waiting for this talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back into the road to the Oscars, I did get a chance to see Coleman Domingo in Rustin. Um, and he was great. He was fantastic in that movie. I also enjoyed the energy of that movie. And I think like th between this, the vibe that I got from this movie was the same vibe I got from Nyad, where it was like, it's an entertaining movie throughout with strong performances by our lead characters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's a movie that I was never bored in. It, I didn't feel drawn out. It felt like you gave the appropriate amount of time to tell this story. And, and yeah, I, I, was fully enthralled with his ver like as soon as like as soon as the scene started and they're like going back and forth and they're playing like this energetic music of like like uh, like jazz music that's going in there and they're going cutting back and forth I was like oh we're oh yeah we're, 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 we're yeah we're in for a treat on this one and then also you learn more about the you know the, the march on washington like all the work and the limited time that went into that i didn't know much about it and so this was a great way to see that um, again, this is from George C. Wolf, who uh, did Mulroney's Black Bottom, another point of history. Um, so he's he's doing some good work here with his films, keeping it and keeping the audience engaged in the film, but also teaching them a thing or two about things that happened in in American history, just specifically Black American history. Um, but yeah, I can 100% understand see the Oscar nom there. He was that movie, um, and it's it's funny because other movies would it, like it, Martin Luther King. He is he is the focus. This was this. I'm pretty sure this was the moment where he gave the, I had a dream yes. speech, right? Yes. Right. So that wasn't even in the movie. Uh, briefly at the end when he's talking, Bri well, well, he, you he, get to the yes. March on Washington, you, you hear like a, yeah. like a three or four Senate excerpt, but you don't get to hear all of it because that's not, and I actually, I appreciate that because that's not what this movie was about. No, no, but I, they even, they even use the words. I had a dream. Yeah. Um, or I have a dream. It was more like toward the tail end of the of the speech. And so I was like, I gave them a lot of props for not doing that because I was waiting for I was actually waiting for that moment to be the moment of the movie. Uh, but the moment of the movie was still focused on on Rustin, which was a smart move, considering that this was the movies about. It's almost like, well, we've we've seen movies about Martin Luther King before or Martin Luther King Jr. We know this story, but let's give a different take on it. And I think that's why it's getting the recognition that it is. Um, great movie. Really enjoyed it, for sure. Uh, moving on from that, another movie that Coleman Domingo was in, but not the star in, uh, kind of the star, was <laughs> The Color Purple. Um, I, I mean, he was overtaken by many leading women in this movie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this one was okay. I I didn't 100% I didn't love it. Okay. Um, I, I feel like that this is one of those situations where this movie was not for me. It was not a bad movie. I didn't think it was a great movie, mm. um, but it wasn't, I can see other people really enjoying this movie. It's just, for me, it just didn't hit as hard as some of the other movies I've seen. Um, Danielle Brooks, who was nominated for best supporting actress in here. She, I am interesting with that. I mean, I am interested in that, decision for the oscar nom i'm not saying again i'm not saying she didn't deserve it i think she was a highlight in that movie i would argue that um tahari p henson was more of a standout 
in a supporting role than Danielle Brooks was. But both of them did their roles effectively for the story. So you're kind of picking one or the other if that's what, you know, the decision went down. Um, this was a musical and uh, obviously, like it says, a bold new take on a beloved classic, a classic directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, and I believe starred Oprah Winfrey and um, Whoopi Goldberg. And so and that was like the drama version of it. So this is like a brand new take in a musical sense. It's also a Broadway musical as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think I'm not sure what came first. I mean, it was if it was a book and then a movie and then the musical and then the music turned into a movie or. Um, yeah, I don't know the exact timeline of this particular story. I had never seen the story before, so I think I was expecting something a little bit more from it because it was very like. I feel like we were just going through the motions of it. Like, I was expecting a deeper through line in there, and I don't think I got it. it I think it was very surface level, in my All opinion. Right. So it was originally a novel by Alice Walker, published in 1982, then it became a movie in 85, and it was nominated for 11 Oscars. In 2005, wow. it hit Broadway as a musical. Now, as we in 2023, we have The Color Purple, Color Purple a movie musical, so what I'm assuming... Is it like is it kind of like Mean Girls, where it's a is it a mix of the movie and the musical, or do you feel that it is a true adaptation of the musical itself? Well, given that I have never seen the musical on Broadway, nor have I seen the movie, I really had nothing to compare okay, it to. That's fair. So I don't know exactly. I mean, did, did it say did it win any Academy Awards? The from its eleven nominations. Let's, let's check the IMDb. That's uh, no, I hit the wrong one. Uh, here we go. Uh, it won. Oh, did I miss it? Uh, it nope, did not win an Oscar. It was nominated for eleven. Did not win one. Dang. Yeah, that one had Danny Glover. Yeah, I've that's... seen it a long. I saw it a long, long time ago. But like, I like don't even remember it. That's how long it's been since I've seen. Yeah. Uh... Best actress went to Whoopi Goldberg. Supporting actors went to Oprah Winfrey. Cinematography, set design, costume design, song, score, makeup. Um, yeah, and writing as well. Yeah, it did not uh, did not take the win. I think I was expecting a different story, like I said. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting, um, but I expected something a little bit more deeper because I think the through line of the story was that, like this this woman was separated from her sister. And then they, she's holding on to that connection for the for the entirety of her life, and then going through all these tribes and tribulations throughout it, having a horrible marriage, being abused, and kind of going about her life. And then, spoiler alert, eventually toward the end, she gets reconnected with her sister. Mm. So, so maybe so maybe you like, like the original. I, maybe you didn't. Maybe was the musical was maybe. the musical like a little bit too happy for you for such for some for such heavy subject matter. No, they definitely took moments of where it was. I wouldn't call this a happy movie, even though it was like a musical. Like they did definitely took some lighter moments to it. And the music was was fun and catchy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Daniel Brooks, Danielle Brooks had the best song in the movie, one of the best songs. Um, but yeah, again, I just feel like I I don't again, I wouldn't know what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting this because I feel like it was very surface level of what the story was like. You, you grew up with your sister, got separated, you live a whole life, and then you get reconnected. And a lot of stuff that happened in between that, obviously, 
that was heartbreaking and horrible and within the times. Um, but yeah, from there, it, it, it just wasn't more than that. Mm. So I, I think where my biggest problem was, was, was with the story, whether to your point, I could have a different opinion when it comes to a dramatic sense rather than a musical sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, congratulations to Daniel Brooks for the nomination. I can definitely see it. I feel like I would have given it to somebody else in this cast. Uh, but you know, is what it is. Like I, I can see, I can see the nomination. It's not, it wasn't unwarranted, I guess. Okay. Okay. Would you have rather um, have seen it have... to party? Um, excuse me, to Harry P. Henson or Fantasia Barino? Uh, well, Fantasia is I, nominated, I, isn't she? No. No, no, she's not. No, I think she was. She was the lead. Ah. And so she, so she would not have been supporting. But Tahaji B. Henson, I think I would have rather seen Tahaji B. Henson go get it. Mm. But then to that. Danielle Brooks had the more dramatic scenes in the movie. Like she had a more heartbreaking story. Oh, okay. So that I kind of understand in a way, like she was playing a wide range of emotions throughout the film. Um, so I can see have that being a showcase of her acting. Then like, like um, the other two were more around the same level throughout most of the movie. Okay. So, so there's that. Uh, but I am curious if you end up watching it. Well, I'm gonna watch. Um, it. I mean, at this rate, yeah, okay. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so, it's so close. You're so close. <laughs> it's just a matter of it. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the showings are like in the theater, but I'll probably have to end up, you know, watching it at home. Yeah, I, I will also say that it, it. I mean, it is two hours and twenty minutes, so it is a little bit on the longer side of it because I did feel like at some moments it did drag out a little oh, bit. Okay. Uh, so, so there's that. Uh, moving on. Uh, I think I have one more Oscar. Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, so I watched two of the animated shorts that were available to us. Um, two that I felt like were going to go away soon. So I was like, let me watch it real quick. Um, and so 95 senses is it was on their website. Um, I just want to let's see. I think it was on uh, smallscreenings.org is where the uh, where the movie was. I feel like, or the short was, I feel like that was going to go away soon. And then the other one that I saw was, I don't even know how to pronounce that, Pachy Dermy. Pachy Dermy. Um, and that one was available on YouTube. So I'm, as of right now, at the time of this recording, they're still available. So if you're interested, go ahead and watch those. But those are the only ones that we had available to watch this as far as the animated shorts. So we still have three more to get through whenever they become available. But Ernesto, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, and also specifically with this category, I was actually, and I had something I failed to mention last week. I was quite surprised that we, that uh, Once Upon a Studio, the Disney animated short that came out um, a few months ago was not nominated for Best Animated Feature. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a snub right there. Um, because I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was a shoo-in for at least a nomination. And then, at the very least, I saw these two, and I was like, we're not even in the same sentence right now between what that movie provided and what these two, or that short provided and what these two shorts provided. Because I was watching this at the end of my night. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch these two uh, animated shorts, and then I'm going to go to bed. I needed a, a, a filler, because I wasn't expecting of how deep these two animated oh, shorts were. Really, you really buried the lead on that one. I was thinking you were gonna. I thought you were getting ready to trash them, like that they were bad. No, Ooh, okay, no, they were. I mean, I have a favorite be between the two. I think ninety-five senses was definitely 
uh, I enjoyed that one more and more of a, it was more of a, I, I don't, I don't want to give it away. Okay. Um, but there was an element of it that I wasn't expecting. And so, and they did, they did a fantastic job telling that story within just a couple of minutes. And it was from different animators uh, throughout. So like you're, you're hearing this old man recount moments of his life and each moment was from a different animation style. Um, and then it was also directed by the same duo who did um, Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Mm. So you hear that. It's like, oh, those were quirky, funny movies. And this is not that <laughs> at all. This is not that. <laughs> um, also voiced by Tim Blake Nelson, who also killed it. What? And is, so, why does that name sound so familiar? Is that the guy from? Um, uh, was that Watchmen? Yes, he was from Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I, he's a great actor. Yeah, no, he's he's good. He definitely voiced the character very well. I I just wasn't expecting how deep these two stories were going to go, <laughs> especially the other one, like Parker. Taki Dermy, mm -hmm. uh, like you're watching that one. He's like, oh, okay, this animation's nice, and you're getting it. And then at the end, you're just like, shit, man. Like that, like they just like, like they, you're seeing a certain event happen through a child's perspective, and then you're like, wow, like this is dark. Ninety five cents is dark. I don't know what the other ones are gonna offer. But, like, I needed to watch something else. I, just, I think I just watched a random YouTube video that wasn't as dark as these two because I'm like, I can't go to bed with this. <laughs> I need something a little bit lighter. Um, but, yeah, I, it, again, definitely understand why it was nominated for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing the other three whenever they become available. Oh. So, But, you know, that, that makes me feel good because, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, we get some shorts and it's just like, yeah, what? <laughs> what was it last year it was about the, was a sailor was a sailor like having a, a light near left uh, a near death experience and we're we're watching yep. we're literally watching the life flash before his eyes and then there was that yep. climate change one with the with they were ice builders but they kept melting and <laughs> i like that i know one. you did and then they and then they, they're falling oh because of climate change <laughs> it was just yeah something like that well that's good i'm i'm glad to hear that we're getting some we're getting some maybe deeper human stories not negating global issues but like human stories right. is what we do best oh no these two are most definitely human stories for sure for sure um so there you go that that's all i've been watching as far as the oscar stuff is related to the oscars um now for some fun stuff uh, and I wouldn't really count this as fun either, Ooh. but I watched, well, no, not, not in that sense. It's like, it wasn't like, oh, this was a pleasant watch. There was some, this is a, I watched Echo. Echo, uh, I watched all five episodes. It was a quick watch because there's only five episodes and they were like about 40 minutes mm -hmm. each. So you, you got through them pretty quickly. Um, and they gave you all the episodes at once. You'd have to wait week to week. That's cool. And they, they called it a Marvel spotlight and we had talked about this briefly before and the whole point of this was that the marvel spotlight was supposed to be you can watch this as an as a standalone and it does not rely on the other shows and movies to <laughs> understand what's going on lies, lies <laughs> i haven't even watched it i could tell so much lies. just on the promos i could tell like, and i and i and i pitched i i actually complained about this before this came out saying like how can you say that when this character was introduced in hawkeye 
and then and like in Kingpin reprising his role from not only the Dead Dead Daredevil uh, shows, which I guess at the time were not connected and maybe still is, but a lot of people are saying it is yeah. now. I don't. There's really a lot know of there's a lot of back sure. and forth on whether the mar the the whether the Netflix. the Netflix shows are canon. Like at first they weren't, but now they're. I've heard rumors that they're a part of the time. They're a part of the official timeline. Timeline, I mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> It doesn't matter. At, yeah, at this doesn't point, just watch matter. them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so like, there's that. So you spend half of the first episode recounting the moments of Hawkeye, as well as the in-between moments you did not see in Hawkeye. Mm. So I was like, okay, but if you're doing that, then you're negating what the Marvel spotlight is supposed to be. Like I understand that you're you're showing that through the show, but you're also missing a lot of context that was in Hawkeye that brought us to this point. We're just, but in the show, the first half of it, you're just showcasing the small moments that she was involved in without much context to it. So like I I had a I had a problem with that. Like just just look, Marvel, you spent the entire brand on interconnected stories. Don't tell me that these stories are separate when they're not. Like it's just not, and um, I'm kind of I'm kind of weary to watch it because I fucked up and I was like, well, if I'm gonna watch it, let me read the comics and the her story arcs that are in Daredevil are actually like really good and like mm-hmm. then I then I heard that they that they actually changed her skill set and her powers from the comic book to the show. It's like different where she's not she doesn't she's not um she is deaf but she she doesn't have a prosthetic leg. Like she has both of her legs in the comics. Oh, interesting. And she can. Okay. And what is it? What is her powers in the show? Like, what can she do? Uh, she, she can fight real good. So there's nothing about mimicking. Because her whole her um, whole thing her whole thing in the comics is that she can watch somebody one time, and that's why she's called Echo. She can watch it one time, and she can completely mimic their moves and their fighting style and their ability and their agility and everything. Like, there's, like, fight scenes mm. where she's fighting Daredevil, and, like, he's like, wait, that's my move. Like, bitch, wait, wait, what are you doing? Like, hey, Doc, that's me that does that. What are you doing? Like, like there's a lot of that. If, <laughs> I, I see. Okay, so if that was a thing in the show, it was not clear then because there are now thinking about the show there were elements in there that i can see okay yeah i get it but did they say that and showcase that clearly no that's weird because it's a so, really big part of the comic book <laughs> it, it was it the echo name is more of a taking hmm, she is echoing not from what she sees but past lives i'm sorry what it, for, it, 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 it's it's <laughs> okay hold on hold it's, on it's Are like they, a generational let me thing. let me i'm gonna take a guess i'm gonna take a guess on what happens so okay she taps into her native american spirit and she can uh-huh. summon like her ancestors to help her do whatever she needs to do yeah <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I was guessing that was like that was literally like a shot in the dark. <laughs> but but that wasn't it's that's not her power. But it's like it. This is what she learned that she can use as a resource, mm. I guess, to be the better person that she is because she is 
attached to such a rich family line. Now, in this, does she have does Daredevil? So, two questions: Does Daredevil make a cameo? Is it is it is yes. it a big is is he a big part of the series? No. Do do him and her have any kind of a relationship? Relationship, no. Interaction, yes. That is crazy because in the comic they have like a full on relationship because of how much they're able to relate to each other. He's blind, mm. she's deaf, and right. Like, there's a lot of contention going around because Kingpin tells Daredevil that he's the one who killed her dad. And then this is actually what sparks her. That's what sparks their fallout between Kingpin and Echo, which I think is similar because in the end of Hawkeye, she finds out that Kingpin killed her dad. Just in the in the comic yes. book, it's Daredevil who, through the use of Daredevil, like as like a... As him, the Kingpin trying to get him, and as a plot device, he sends right. Echo after him, and then that's where they meet up and they fight. But even beforehand, like they had actually already started to like form a connection, and they fall in. They actually like almost like fall in love. Like it's like a really, it's like a really interesting storyline. And I'm kind of, that's I mean, kind of sad to see like that we didn't get any of that. It sounds like we didn't get any of that in this. Well, I I don't think that was the point of the show mainly because daredevil's having his own show that's coming out so maybe we can deep we can go di- diving deeper into that into his show if they, they want to <laughs> they're not going to give screen time for echo for that they're too busy trying to fit in the punisher and the kingpin in that show and now and now karen page and foggy nelson are coming back <laughs> right yes i did read that apparently because we had reported that they weren't going to be in there and maybe part of the reshoots, the reconstructuring was like, maybe the fans want them back. So I think people have been seeing them on set, or at least there are signs implicating that they might be making an appearance, like the same characters from, or the same actors from the Netflix show, which then go went down the line of like, now these shows are canon. And then we're like, I don't know. Like Marvel didn't say anything yet. So it's hard to see where this kind of falls into everything. But I enjoyed the show. Okay. I'll put, I'll put it out there. Like, it's a quick watch. It's it's a clear message of what they're trying to say. Kingpin is definitely uh, a focal point in this show, so much so that I'm even more mad about the Marvel spotlight because it takes place literally after the events of Hawkeye and after the events because at the end of Hawkeye she shoots him, she shoots him in the face. So part of that is like, how did he survive that? Mm. And you see that. So like, well, so like it's 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 not separate. <coughs> it's not. It's not that I don't think that it's separate. I just think that it's adjacent. I guess is is where like you don't sure. have to, but you don't have to watch all of this to understand the main canon storyline. And maybe Daredevil will be the same way because Daredevil, even yeah. in the comic book world, he's more of a street level. I mean, he's getting a series, so I mean, he's more of a street level right. yeah, yeah. guy as opposed to like you know Spider Man or like the big ones. Th- this is definitely a like. You can you can call her an anti-hero in a sense, but obviously she was like a villain in Hawkeye, and this show is definitely the turn of like this rough exterior that we saw from Hawkeye. Then we get to know a little bit more about her background, and then turning into the character she was meant to be, mm. more or less. I wouldn't call her a hero, but definitely a, a better person by the end of the series, and it definitely a lot of you see a lot of the connections that she had with Kingpin growing up and that becomes more clearer now um, with that. So 
I thought it was a good show for what it was. I mean, I would watch this again before I watched Secret Invasion. Ooh. Like, okay, like well, that's saying a like, lot. I finished Secret Invasion. Yeah. So, all right, maybe I, I'll I give wasn't it a, a shot big then. fan of that. Like, I would watch this again before I watch She Hulk. Well, like, you know, like I think much. this is. I know it's not. <laughs> I'd rather watch Paint like, Drive. <laughs> watch She Hulk again. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like when I hear like the, I mean, maybe I'm getting hung up on Spotlight, but like Moon Moon Knight was more of a Marvel Spotlight. Agreed. Like. Werewolf by Night is more of a Marvel spotlight that had zero connections with anything that was happening in the MCU. Um, and like those were standalone stories. This was not. You predicated off of after the events of Hawkeye. So I think they have a lot of potential with this character. This was a show that I wasn't really expecting. Um, and they also took a lot of liberties with the show because they also like it was more violent than the MCU has done before. This was TVMA. They definitely went down the violence train on this like the action was more brutal uh but it was good action as well so it's like i wasn't mad at anything that they gave me with this show so if this is like an indication like here's a taste of what like a more violent mcu show could be like then give me more of that and we'll probably see that more in daredevil either by the end of the year or beginning of next year depending how delayed that series is but then i also think we're going to see marvel flex their rated r muscles when we see deadpool 3 and how graphic they're willing to go down in that sense as well so i'm i'm here for a more mature marvel studios as we get closer and some people are saying that blade's going to be rated r as well um it should be and i I think it's going to be so like we're seeing that comment in these future projects and if this is like a small taste of it i'm okay with it and also like i like where we leave off with kingpin at the end of the series I was like, ooh, this is this is this is good. I like this. So hopefully we can see more of that. And also, I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio killed it. My he's God, fantastic. is he? He's good. so good. So good. So good. I, I would want to watch um, it just for him. Yeah, and I mean, he he delivers a performance. It's still haunting, mm. like how he delivers that character. It's like they they had they couldn't pick any other person. Well, then that. you know what? Not for anything. I w- I will probably watch it just for him then, just to see him. Yeah, absolutely. Do it if you have any reason to. That's a good reason, and then you might like other things about it along the way. Accurate. Um, and the, and the last thing that I watched was the documentary "Timeless Hero: Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford." Um, it was an interesting documentary, um, and it was a little bit more about Harrison Ford and how Harrison Ford is as much Indiana Jones than than not right and i think we've talked about this before there's only one indiana jones and that is harrison mm-hmm. ford they went so much so to not recast him uh for this new movie and they said tell a story of an older indiana jones in the dial of destiny and so what i appreciate about this documentary was that we were able to get a kind of an overview of his life because in some cases we were not privy to that um he's a very to himself individual so the fact that we were able to kind of first see like here's this legend of a character and then we're going to go back to the man behind the legend of the character and then also give us a documentary about the the like the behind the scenes and leading up to indiana jones as well as congruently giving us a documentary about the actor of and the person of, of harrison ford and then eventually they grow to become one person of how much Harrison Ford has been embodied himself into the character of Indiana Jones. And so in some way, I can appreciate this documentary and understand what they were going for in the Dial of Destiny, because, like, I get it. And there's part of me after watching this documentary is like, maybe I should give the movie a second chance. 
I think I need to wait a couple more years before I give this movie a chance, though, because it's still still a little yeah, salty. You really want to you want to commit another two and a half hours for that? It, it's like it's there's still the part of me in denial where it's like this movie can't be bad, right? Because everything was going right for it. And like you can see the passion that went into it in the behind the scenes. So then you're like, all right, well, it's there kind of like I can see where it's coming from. It's just when you watch it, it doesn't translate. To, um, I, you know, we talked about it a few months ago. You can listen back to our Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny review. But yeah, it, it's I, I think it's a little bit of what I did not like about Dial of Destiny. It still doesn't negate the fact that it was not a great movie and it was a disappointment so um but i was interested into it and if anything i got to learn a little bit more about a franchise that i do really enjoy and an actor i respect so there you go if you want to share that same sentiment go watch this movie uh timeless heroes <laughs> Indiana jones and harrison ford it's on disney plus um so with that that is all we've been watching so now we're going to be diving into our spoiler review of our foreign film of the month the zone of interest a film from the united kingdom nominated for five oscars including best picture ernesto your thoughts on the film um i did not like this movie (laughs) (laughs) there now it is hard to say that because this movie is haunting and it is and it talks about like it bring and i don't even say it talks about it it brings us into the world of the world of the zone, what they would call the zone of interest, which is the living area with that, um, that the, the Nazi soldiers would stay in this area right outside of Auschwitz. Um, you're following the, 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 uh, the Haas family and commander Haas's family. And like the first two minutes starts in black and you get this haunting score. Can I tell you that I was getting, I was about to get up. <laughs> I was, I had, that's why I was messing with my chair because I had pulled my chair all the way down and I was going to get up to go say, Hey, there's something wrong with the projector. Cause you get like this, like this, just like almost as like they're like, they're put the audio too slow. And like, yeah. it's just like, you know what I mean? When it just sounds awful, when you just play audio, that's too slow and it's like loud and it's got deep bass and like, it just seems like something's wrong. It very unsettling, and I even wrote in my notes and said, "This is gonna be fucking weird," because, <laughs> because you don't start a movie with almost two minutes of black. Yeah, that's a choice. And like you think, and that's that's a choice. That is a choice you made. That is a choice you made. That, that is a thing that you did. But that, that I, meant nothing, in my opinion. I agree. But regardless, that we'll, we'll keep going. So this movie. Like what? Well, I will praise it for is it's the sound design, obviously. Like it's just mm-hmm. like and and I was watching an interview where where you because you're you're in the life of this family where you see where seemingly it seems like they live a happy life and they're just trying right. to get by and they're they're doing you know their their husband is doing work at the camp next door, but then like you're watching them and then you're hearing you're just hearing people screaming in the camp next door. They're mm-hmm. having a pool party for one of the kids, and you see a train, and you see the smokestack drive by. It's like, oh, those are all the Jewish prisoners being transferred to Auschwitz. At, mm-hmm. at night, you see the orange glow of the crematoria of people being burned alive and people screaming in the distance. Like, 
the kids playing in the Ashfield River. Like, yeah. <laughs> like how terrible, like how awful was that scene? I think Sandra Hewler played an absolute phenomenal. She is like, She's I've never it. really appreciated her as an actress, but between Anatomy and Fall, and actually this movie as well, she is phenomenal. She is great. Mm-hmm. Like just the, just how well, how versatile she is, how adaptable she is, and how she can just pull herself to, to into each role. Each role, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, the color intros is weird. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's the, the, the certain things that gave you that haunting feeling. That feeling. The kids playing in the river. I talked about that a minute ago, where they were, they they had they had to rush out because they were because they had ash. So the human remains. They're playing in a river with human remains yeah. all over them. Um, and then we get the inverted scene of the girl who's escaping throughout. Now that I which I thought was weird, but I actually looked into it, and it was interesting. So I'm gonna read you an excerpt from the okay. Guardian from the Guardian article that I read. Where it said the scene came about as a result of Glazer meeting a 90-year-old woman named Alexandria who had worked for the Polish resistance when she was just 12 years old. She recounted how she had cycled <clears throat> to the camp to leave apples, which we see apparent we see that that scene in the film, and how she had found the mysterious piece of written music, which it turned out had been composed by an Auschwitz prisoner called Thomas Wolfe, who survived the war. She lived in the house we shot in, said Glazier. It was her bike that we used, and the dress the wow. actress wear and the dress that the actor wears was her dress that she would go biking in. How crazy is that? Wow. Sadly, sadly, she died a few weeks after we spoke. I um, they asked Glazier what made what made him preserve with with the project each time he felt the urge to give up. You know, he felt that he needed to persevere with the project each time, and he even if he felt the urge to give up and walk away. He goes, I don't know for sure. I don't know why he, he him talking about what kept what wanted him to persevere. I don't know for sure. My heritage, maybe intergenerational intergenerational trauma, fear, anger, all that stuff. Most Jewish families have a history with the event because it, it was so enormous. Just looking through the archives of Auschwitz and going through my family names, I discover that there are a lot of them. So I think it's just in you. He pauses again. The reason I made this film is to try to restate our close proximity to this terrible event that we think of it as in the past. For me, it is never in the past. Um, and right now, I think somewhere in me is aware and fearful that these things are on the rise again with the growth of right-wing populism everywhere. The road that so many people took is just a few steps away. It is always just a few steps away. Um, so I can, while seemingly seemed so weird, like it was just so out of place, like mm-hmm. like I thought that it was someone escaping, and I was like, oh okay, oh look, they're leaving apples for the prisoners. But it just it was just so disjointed in everything, like it in everything that was happening in the film. And I think that was the point. Like you know, this was uh, I was watching a um, a stage interview with them, and they were they were talking about the camera system, how they had certain room, certain scenes had up to ten or eleven cameras, and the actors didn't know what camera was going to take the the last shot because you're just supposed to you're looking at it as a like a bird's eye view so i can i can really the two main things i appreciate from this movie is the cinematography especially and the sound design and how both things co-mingle to tell a story because you're watching the movie and but you're also like 
between little things you see in the background and the things that you hear it's literally like two different movies going on. You're dealing with this family mm-hmm. drama where the dad's getting, you know, he has to be sent away. And then, and then the other thing is like, I didn't give a fuck what happened to him. I was like, oh, you're being separated yeah. for your wife. I could give two shits about you. Like, I, I hope that you fall in that Ash River again and, and drown. <laughs> like, that's how I feel about you. And it just really, yeah. like, how you seemingly, they seem so loving and, and nice. I mean, you know, she's going through the clothes and the mink coat and she's, putting on lipstick from a Jewish woman who's a, who's either been killed or in the camp now, you know? And then as we progress through the movie, especially when she finds out that her husband's leaving, like that, that her security blanket is, is leaving her. Like she's literally eating lunch and she's, you know, yelling at the, her slave. And she's just, just so nonchalant just goes, do you know that my husband can uh, have your ashes spread all over the field? Is that, yeah. is that is that something that you want? Or like when they put the boots on. And it was something like little things so seemingly that they put in there. When they're leaving the boots out and then you go through the phase of the slave where she has to get the drink. And then she's leave the boots outside and have everything mm-hmm. set up so they can sell it. They can literally where we have to watch them sing happy birthday to this man. And it's. And if you look at her wash the boots, they actually you can see the red like there's blood being being yeah. washed off of the boots. You know, when the boys are playing, like they seem so innocent at first, you're like you look at them like, "Oh, man, they must just be victims of circumstance because they're living with they live with them, but they don't know any better." Like they think that this is they think that this is just normal that they they probably assume that they're doing the right thing. But then you see the two kids like play with each other and then he locks his little brother in that room and then he starts yeah. making the hissing sounds like if he's gonna gas him and it's like well mm, i don't know about that or when the little boy is playing in the room and he's listening to the prisoner yes. getting yelled at after stealing half an apple and then what are they you know you hear the guy screaming and then they tell him they're gonna go drown him in the river and then he so curiously is what goes outside goes out the window to watch that. So that in turn creates the next generation of like that hate of being bred yeah. into him thinking that it's okay. And I thought that that was it just and I didn't even think about that until like saying it out loud now like what a way to really implicate, you know, how that racism and how that like how how kids grow up to be like that and it's how it's like that it's when they're in those circumstances and things that we know are wrong are seemingly seen as like commonplace it's like oh that's just what we do you you stole half an apple like i'm gonna drown you in the river like that's just yeah that's just what we do here (laughs) there is i I kind of was all over i had i was i'm kind of all yeah i have more too but i'll pause and I'll let you. I'll let you. T- and I'll let you uh, chime in. <laughs> I I feel like that this is a movie that I like. Walking out of there, I did not like this. Yeah, movie. I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely a weird movie. But then, as you think about it, right? And like, obviously, it the traditional sense of a movie is that you either want to be entertained, you want to follow a story. And there was not really any story to go off of. You want to even, you want to even like these characters. These characters were never meant to be liked, mm-hmm. like, and you knew that from the get go. So when you're giving me like a lack of a true plot and uh, like characters, I'm not gonna want to get invested into. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie, and also it was just it was 
it was just like developed very it the whole movie was presented in a very weird fashion and so you have all these working against it to make it pretty much not a pleasurable viewing experience when you're watching this movie and i and i and i knew that from the beginning when we started two minutes in black mm. and then we start stopping this ominous music and then there's like red fill in the screen and like i get it in the sense that we're showing you know beautiful flowers and all this beauty and then filled the screen with red of everything that's happening beyond the wall and like all that being said, like I did not have a good time watching this movie. But I, maybe that, and you know, maybe that but, was the that, point. That was the point, yeah. right? And then that, and that's kind of what I think. Yes, I think that was the whole point of it because what we took away from it is a lot. Yeah, you took, you can take a lot away from this movie. So then you kind of think about it. Well, was it a bad movie? And I will say no. It's just again one of those movies where it's like. It wasn't a movie for me. Yes. It wasn't a movie I'm going to watch again. Never. But there was a lot that you can take away from it because the one thing I can say <laughs> is that I have not seen a movie like this before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was the the sense of like you're get it, it's it's the juxtaposition of what you're watching, right? You've seen many movies about Auschwitz and like the horrors that were happening inside the camps, but now you're watching a movie from a different perspective where you know what's happening behind the walls. And the, and the people that we are following are choosing to either they're choosing to live normal lives as if nothing's happening, mm. even so much so when the mother or mother-in-law visits the house and like his wife is showing up, he's showing around the mother and was like, look at what we accomplished. Look at this house. It's beautiful. We have a perfect life. And then and then she just uh, quietly mentions she's like, oh, is that where the camps are? Yeah, but I put these bushes there so it can cover the wall. Anyway, have you seen the Bazigo over there? And it's, so it's like it was a quick like, yeah, well, I don't whatever, what, whatever is happening. I don't care about what's happening behind that wall, but I put flowers in front of it. So I don't have to look at the, a gray wall yeah. because that's an inconvenience to me. That gray wall is an inconvenience to my garden that's here. We're not even mentioning the fact that what's happening beyond this wall, the horrific things that were happening in there. And so, like, you get this entire movie that way and you're just like, wow, like this is this is awful. But I do, in a sense, feel like. At some point, even though the movie was only like an hour and 45 minutes, that stick without following a plot ran its course for me very quickly. I think what it does well is that it really, really puts in your face the moral ambiguity that this family had or that people that people in soldiers and their families, they had in Nazi Germany, yeah. the ones who were who were for the cause like they just. They just didn't care. And like, you really see that play out with the relationship with her mom. Like, cause she, you know, yes. as you just mentioned, the scene in the garden. And then do you, I don't remember if it was during that point or after that point where they cut back to it. And one of the slaves is using the ash as part of, it's like fertilizer for her garden. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did. I, I wrote that down. I was like, wow, that is crazy. I was like, wow, that's wild. I wonder if her mom saw that or like the fact that her mom, <clears throat> couldn't sleep but then there are things that you could tell that it bothered her like her waking up yeah and then you don't see the people being burned but you're seeing the crematorium in the background and the glow coming mm -hmm. into the house and then just little by little she started to become more and more uncomfortable like realizing like oh like this is this is wrong like this is this is yeah. not okay like what it, and it's hard because you know when she's in the garden with her she's like oh it's so well for you to see do you, you know you're doing so well for yourself 
Mm-hmm. You guys are really established, and you know. And she's like, "Yeah, you know, we just we have to just listen to what Hitler says, and he says that we'll be fine as long as we do X, Y, and Z." And you know, another thing mm-hmm. that that same kind of moral ambiguity is with the um, the Friedel, the the male the male lead, where he's um all the all the military scenes with him like were just yes. crazy. Like when he's sitting there and they're having, he's having an, <clears throat> a meeting with the engineers and they're having a strategy session on how mm-hmm. to burn and kill people more effectively and more efficiently. It's like, yeah. oh, well then we're going to do this and then do that. And, then, and it's all be one cycle. Then you'll be able to increase your output of how many you can take care of. And then that when they're in the sea, in the, with all the generals, like they're talking about it, like they're about to go on vacation, like they just had a record year, like, like yeah, yeah. all his great work, and he's gonna be going here, and we're gonna be able to increase the output of, of who we collect, and you know we're gonna have to kill eighty percent of them, and they're just talking about it like it's a normal Tuesday, right? Evil, and, evil and, fucks, <laughs> and and that and that's like I think that's what the whole point of the movie was trying to get at was like the, to them it felt normal this all of this felt normal even so much so that Sandra Huller who's played his wife was more like I don't want to leave we just build ourselves a home yeah like she went out of her way to make sure that she is still living in this house that she calls home when horrific unspeakable things are happening just beyond that fence but in this zone of interest uh is her home and she was not going to leave it for anything. I mean, she even, and, she even makes the note of saying jokingly go, Oh yeah. They call me the queen of Auschwitz. It's like, I don't, yes. I don't know if I would want that title. <laughs> that is not a title I would want to be known for. <laughs> um, and, and I think you, it was also a lot of implied action throughout the movie as well. Like again, like we see, the ashes in the river, you see the smoke in the background, the the sounds of what was happening. It, it the sound, I think, and at, out of any nomination this film deserves, it's definitely for best sound because there was so much storytelling that was like if you weren't listening to what was happening in the background, you will either miss that that contributed a lot to the movie to either go against of what they were talking about or, or hit it home even harder, especially with the apples, because we saw that earlier in a scene. And then we see people dying for those apples that they were eating. Yeah. And we seeing a kid hear that. And you, again, to your point about generational, like nature versus nurture type of deal. And like, you see the kid learning through what he's hearing yeah. and then becoming this eventually most likely an evil person because of the environment that he grew up in yeah i mean he watches he literally peeks out the window to see what happened and actually i think the apple is a callback to the girl dropping off the apple to the prisoners like maybe yes they, absolutely like i yeah. didn't even put i didn't even think about that until right now like i just assume mm-hmm. i didn't i just assume you know that he stole half an apple or whatever but I was and, I was listening to an inter- I was watching an interview with Jonathan Glazer and they were talking about like the care that they took into that 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 was the purpose like like there's 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 two films there's film A he either called it A and B or one and two and the first one is this the the story of the family and then they took that into post and they had a library of sounds that they found mm. and then they would overlay story two over it which is what we see 
Like, I'm sorry, excuse me. What all what the all hear. the things that we hear. And I agree with yeah. you. I 100% agree with you. I would also add to that. Maybe that the nomination for cinematography is definitely well warranted for the same for the same exact reason. Oh, what well, I mean, they didn't get it for cinematography. Uh, I thought. I'm sorry. I thought we just said we, it did. So it's best picture, no, it got... best international film, uh, sound design. Yeah, uh, adapted screenplay and director. Ah, that's what it is. Okay, yes. So, I, I guess I mean, if it's adapted screenplay, then obviously this came from a book. And so I guess we can go along with say with it, but I do agree with you that I think cinematography should have been up there because it was shot really well. Like again, it, there's something about the way that you can position a camera and have multiple things happening in that scene without even having to move that camera. I think that's a very unique thing you can do to keep it engaging for an audience to kind of watch this action take place. Like it just, at least sitting there and then you just have like all the action that's happening within this one scene. Um, I think we saw that earlier in the film when they're turning off the lights and you see the house, like lights turning off little by little as he's going around the room and turning off the lights. Um, and it's, it's just crazy. Like it's, it's an interesting perspective that, that you, they kind of put you in to make you, from the way that the story is being handled to these characters, to the way this film was shot, you were not meant to sit down and relax and enjoy the ride for this movie. You were meant to feel uncomfortable watching this movie, even though our characters were like in comfort. It's like, there's this dad going to the office and coming back um, and we're having pool parties. We're having the neighbors over for some fun. It's, it's, it's like we're in the suburbs exactly and then you 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 brought it up a little bit when he's turning off the lights and you know he sees his daughter it's like well now we're getting to see scenes of him just being a dad like oh my daughter's scared let me go let me go tuck her in after my day of murdering all these jewish people (laughs) yeah it's like i'm gonna read you a story yeah Uh, yeah there was just so there was so much of that so i guess as maybe it was just that it was just very it, it, it was just a lot to take in like the movie just there was a lot to offer and i think when you're looking like you said like you're looking for that narrative and that's just not what it is you pretty much it's a window into their life yes yes it it is and so like when the monks of everything and then like now you're going into what it was nominated for it's it's hard to see what quote unquote, it deserves because again, we walk out of this movie, not really enjoying what we watch, yeah. but we understand the message of what it was trying to portray. And like, if there was, if there was anything that I was going to take away from it, right? Like if I was going to take away a nomination from it, from the five it had, I don't know if director would have been there for me. Uh, I would go see. I actually, this is well. We're, I I disagree with you only because okay. I think of what Jonathan Glazer. He had all these elements, and he's the one who he's like brought it together. Like the mm-hmm. the way they use the cinematography, the way the mm. way the way that they use the sound design. Like that that's him. That that's it. That's his team. But that's the team that he put together to tell right. his story. The one that I would probably take away is Best Picture, just because there was just some shit. There's just some shit that was just so weird, where it kind of, like, it almost, it was so weird that it took me out of the story. Like, well, the scene actually, the scene of her being okay. run, be running away, did that need to be inverted? Like, why, why did that need to be that way? I mean, there's obviously a reason, but there was just too much meta shit for me, for something yeah. that's like so important. 
Okay, you know what? I can I can meet you with that because now that you say it out loud, yeah, I can I can understand it for it not being there for best picture because of all of the weird stuff that was happening. Those were directoral choices that he was putting in there. But as far as like when you, I mean, we often talked about this already. When you look at best picture, it's a meal, right? And so we are picking this movie apart to see what we like about it, but also as a as a as a film as a whole, we're agreeingly not there with it like we can see that and so then when you see a movie if you were to take away if you were to take away this movie right and then easily just implement one in there the iron claw for example a movie we both enjoyed that that could have been in the conversation could have easily filled that number 10 slot 100%. in there but but that's unfortunately not here or there at this point but i can if it wasn't given the best picture i can definitely leave it where the international film is. Yes. Oh yeah. That yes. is, a, that is a place where I can see it. It definitely deserves, but maybe not as going as far as saying it's also worth a best picture nomination as well. Um, but at the same time, if you're really connecting with the messages and what the, the, the storytelling tactics that he was delivering in this movie, then one can see it as like a best picture quality movie because of the message that he was willing to portray. I just think there is a difference between giving the audience a message and giving the audience a digestible film that I'm not saying it needs to be clean and neat and like spoon feed the audience, but like at the same time, give us something you can do that. (laughs) Right. You you can, you can do everything you did, but also not make it as uh, lack of a better term weird. Yeah. Agree. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can still get to the same level, but then really go into it, like, deeper than you had than you had displayed in this film. Mm. Um, but I, I think there's just there's still a lot to take away from this movie. I mean, hell, you even look at the poster and I think it's a great poster now knowing what the movie's about. Like, after watching this movie, you see this suburban household with a black like the rest of the rest of the posters is black. And, but we know what that black represents. It's the darkness, the horror, the the everything that was beyond the walls that this poster is not showing. Um, it, it's like, also it, what it, they're blocking out. Like they don't they right. don't pay. Yeah. They, oh, that's good. They don't, yeah. They're not paying attention to it because their zone of interest is only what's happening in their life. They don't give a fuck about the right. people over there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're right. And then you even see what's so like, again, you see all these like different people coming over and like they're having celebrations and parties and um, like it's, it's like even like, you know, the two kids being normal, like sneaking around, like making out in the, in the side of the the house, like the, the kids were the teenagers, like, yeah, everything that will be normal in in a kid's world. And, and, and like in a, at a very typical suburban lifestyle, um, it was all in there. And I think that was pretty much done effectively to kind of present that and then everything else was just just horror um but yeah so with that Ernesto your final thoughts so I think the movie is not enjoyable but there is so much to be appreciated for how they told the story through the use of their cinematography through the use of the sound design like but this is not going to be a film for everybody like no I was talking um I think I was talking to Hadass and then, you know, friend of the show. And I, 
and I was telling her about it, and she's like, "Oh, I'm glad you told me that this is what the story is about because I tend to avoid the, these like fictions from that from that time." So she's like, "I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, you got to respect that. Everybody, everybody has their limits. You know, not not right. everything is for everybody, and this is something that you definitely have to prepare yourself to watch, and also, I would say, know the director coming in for this one because, like, that's mm-hmm. just how he makes his movies." And I and I think it, it yes. and this movie makes and this movie makes a statement. It gets its point across. So as much as like it, the way that they told the story kind of threw me off, and not you know excluding the sound design. Um, I think I'm gonna go three and a half. Three and a half, really? Maybe I, three. I, 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 I was landing on three for me. I'm gonna go with three because I was I was doing three and a half to be to give it a little bit more. I was being generous with a three and a half because re- you know what my original score was, like a one or it two. Was a two. My original score yeah. was a two, but I think after we talked it out a little bit, like there is, right. like as much as there, like as off putting as it was, there is a lot to appreciate, and then Sandra Hewler is just damn, she's yeah. so good. She's so good. I just, I, <laughs> she's, yeah, I, she, I'm a fan. She's great. <laughs> Yeah, and and like again, uh, I think I think I was we're, we're kind of saying the same thing as like you walk out of the movie and you're like, man, that was that was a rough watch. But then you slowly start taking away what the message was and everything, and you're like, yeah, no, I respect, I respect the filmmaking process. I respect the message there. It's just all the elements just weren't gelling right. So like you can't really call it a bad movie per se, but you can't really you can't enjoy all of it either because that's just not in the cards for yeah. you. I mean, but there is a lot, there's a lot to appreciate for the story that they told. That's the thing. It's like, I, you're, and you're right. And I feel like, I mean, again, I give it a three out of five stars as well. Uh, mainly because of its technical achievement that it was doing. Like you have like, well, three things. I love the cinematography. The sound design was definitely there. Uh, definitely warrants that, that Oscar nom. And then you have, um, the message that it was trying to portray because even when we get to the final scene of the movie where he's walking down those stairs also shot really well, basically descending into darkness as he's going down as the light is no longer being there. And then as he's doing that, you see that they cut away to like present day of what the museum is and going through that. Like I'm assuming it's at Auschwitz and you can go tour one of the concentration camps and they have all of these like, um, different memorabilia, not memorabilia, but you have all these different articles uh, and things that were there all put together and uh, uh, or- not orchestrated. It's curated, curated into this curated into this museum. And I, I also felt like that again, even though I understood what he was going for, it was oddly placed yeah. in the movie. It's like, I get your meaning. I just didn't feel it. Like it, it like the two scenes didn't just gel well enough for me. Like I almost would have respected respected it if it was under in a different place of the movie, mm. rather than where it is. Like if you're hearing like the screams and then it cuts to like present day of the museum. Like I, I just feel like that particular scene was oddly placed um, and oddly edited there. But you kind of because he's just going down the stairs and he turns in the corner, and then it just cuts to present day of like it almost made it seem like he was making decisions that was leading into what this is. You know what I mean? It's like you, you are the cause of all of this that's happening. At least you're part of it anyway. Um, 
but yeah, like you walking out of it and you're just like, man, that was just not, I didn't feel good about it, but like, I understand what you were trying to say. And that in and of itself is like, if you can get that point across, even though you didn't like what you watched, there's something there. Yeah. I mean, even people, when they were leaving the theater, they were like, what the fuck did I just watch? I heard like, I literally <laughs> like five people were like, what did I, why did I watch that? Like that was, yeah. they're like, that was time. Like the, the sentiment coming out of the theater from many other people was not great. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's the thing. I mean, not everyone, like you, you made a good point. Like not everyone's going to enjoy this movie. I mean, obviously we didn't not, this isn't an easily digestible film to go into, but they're also, I mean, us being part of this podcast, the box office bingers, when you, when you give us something to think about, it's worth discussing. Then there is some level of respect to the filmmaking process. When you do that, it's not like when I walk out of say, for example, the beekeeper, which a movie I thoroughly (laughs) not enjoyed because everything about that movie was stupid. You left me with nothing to leave. Like you, you let you gave me nothing. Like a, a outside of like, if I'm looking for a dumb action movie, then there you go. But if you're looking for something a little bit more, then like with a little more story, more value of my time, then like that wasn't the movie for me. This wasn't it either. But I got something out of it. I can like this can generate a conversation that we're having right oh, now, where the where the beekeeper was like, that's a dumb movie, and it doesn't <laughs> worth a conversation because it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's but then to your point like it not everyone sees a movie that way a lot of people go to the movies to be entertained to be escaped into a world of of endless possibilities and some people do not want to enter this particular world (laughs) that this movie is presenting um uh but with that you know it's it's in the awards conversation obviously um i think it's a shame that anatomy of the fall is not in the um, international film conversations. Yeah. I feel like that is where the two films will go head to head and see which one does, you know, which one might get it over whichever, but all the talks are around this movie and you don't even know what the other four movies are about because no one's really talking about the other four movies in the international film festival and uh, the, I'm sorry, the international film category. So it's kind of hard to say as like, well, actually, no, I take that back. Society of the Snow is also in that conversation as well. So I think those are the two ones that are probably going to be butting heads on what might win the the award. But also, when you see a movie nominated for Best Picture, and it's the only one in the category for Best International Feature, you kind of put the two and two together and be like, is that a sure thing? It might not be, but it feels like if you got the Best Picture nom, you're most likely going to at least win international yeah. film. Well, you're not going to win Best you know, Picture, but, you know, international film. Well, I don't know. Well, I, well, I won't say anything because I don't want to give away my predictions. We'll have to wait to our mm-hmm. prediction show because there's still some other international films. Hopefully we can get access to them before the Oscars. Yes. Yes, there is one that I read. I think it was called Perfect Days. I think that the next one's gonna get, that's going to be available. It says, even though I don't see it from Apple, I did read that it's going to be on Apple TV+. Plus sometime in february mm. even though i go on their website and they don't even mention it so i'm curious to see if that's like a late edition they might just add it on later in february mm. hopefully that will come to fruition and then i think the teacher's lounge is expected to be in the theater sometime in february just don't know when either so hopefully and then el capitano low capitano mm-hmm. um that one i haven't heard anything about 
Like I got zero, nothing. So hopefully that's just a surprise later in the month of February. February is going to be the time where we do most of our catching up and what's available to us. Uh, so hopefully, you know, get, get the ball moving yeah. on some of those people behind the scenes. Let's get these movies into our viewing eyes. Come so on, Oscars. Struggling to... Make us care yeah, about your show. <laughs> Make this shit available. <laughs> uh, so... So yeah, but there you go. That's our spoiler review on the Zone of Interest. Not a movie we particularly enjoyed to watch, but definitely uh, had a message to say, uh, and and I guess a value of a conversation. I'll put it that way. Uh, uh, but with that, you know, that's all the show we have for you guys this week. Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. Next week, we are going to be reviewing Argyle, the new Matthew Vaughn movie. It's going to be starring Henry Cavill. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, uh, yeah, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. I'm, I, I'm excited for it. It's not getting great reviews. No, no, it is not doing well. But also, Matt, I don't know if you started, but I'm about, I'm about halfway through the book Argyle because I actually, I am also halfway through the book. So I, I, what chapter are you on? I don't know. The chapters are so short. I think I'm on like, they are like short. 16, 17. I've got, I think I've got 10 hours left on the audiobook. Okay, are you are you reading it a uh, normal speed or one point five? Normal speed. Normal speed. Okay, good for you. Are you doing one point um, five? Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm doing one point five, and I'm on chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know yet, but it's gonna be. It's interesting because it is not what the book is not what I thought it was. It is com- Correct. completely different than what I thought it was. But I think. Even if we don't enjoy the movie, I think the movie and the book and kind of everything surrounding it is going to offer – there's a good conversation there. Yes, and as of right now, getting about halfway through the book, I can – unless something drastically changes, I think I can confidently say and giving a tease for next week that the book and the movie are not the same. No, they are companions. They are not – They are (laughs) – yes. And I think I, I about halfway through my halfway, I came to the realization is like this is not what the trailer yes. is at all. So but it's interesting because because then it lends a, a conversation for it to be something different. So you can yes. you know that you can enjoy both and not you know look at it like I look at Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, where you can enjoy it sure. and you're comparing. Well, because there there is a comparison, but it's really just it's almost like the the expansion of the universe of it and as opposed to it being a copy of the thing. Yeah. I'm really looking forward next week, Ernesto to talk about this movie and about this book because already I have a lot to say about this. Book. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and like, I'm about, like I said, I'm about halfway through it. I have my thoughts and opinions. I'm, I'm speed. Uh, uh, what's the word? I'm, I am moving through this. I'm plowing through this book. I'm going through it very quickly uh, because we have a deadline. And so, like, I want to get through. I feel like this is the fastest I've ever, most likely ever go through a book. Mm. And it's a short book. It's a small book. It it, it is a small book. And I will say, if I had the option to go by even faster, I would. (laughs) Like, there is an option on Audible that you can do 1.75. And to me, I tried it. It's just a little bit too fast yes. for me. Like, I, I feel like I can't comprehend. really enjoy it. <laughs> right. So, like, 1.5 is where I'm sitting right now. And it, honestly, when I saw, because it was like 13 and a half hours, like, oof, I got to I gotta read this when I'm sleeping. Because <laughs> this is going to be a while. Um, but then when I, when I 
when I put it to 1.5 speed, it took off five hours from the total read. I was like, oh, I can do eight hours rather than 13. I feel like eight hours is more doable. So I basically like trained to be like, just just keep up with the words, Matt. Just, just keep, keep up. up with the words. Keep up, dummy. Uh, <laughs> seriously. But at the very least, I am looking forward to have this conversation. I think this is one of the rare times that we are taking a book and a movie and going into it together. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a book review and we'll have a movie review. And I think the whole reason even why we're doing this in the first place is because Matthew Vaughn went out of his way after reading the treatment of this story to like, like quickly green light a movie and saying like, this is one of the best treatments he's ever read. Mm. And now reading the book, I'm trying to see where, where he got the inspiration from, because clearly this is a different. Yeah. Again, as of right now, this feels like two different movies, like a movie and a book, like two different things right now. So I, I'm just I, I want to finish the book. I want to watch the movie. I want to see where. And then after that, I want to dive into maybe some behind the scenes to see where the inspiration of this came from, from what you read, from what we got at the end of it. And there was a moment where the book might have been delayed, where the movie was coming out first. But the book just happened to squeeze in on January 9th and the movie comes out February 2nd. So a lot of intrigue about this. Also taking a break from the Oscars for a little bit and diving into some of the bigger releases in there. But so far, early reviews are not favoring this movie at all. No, no but tune in next week and you'll hear what we think. Exactly. I mean, that's, who cares about the critics? Yeah. You care about us. That's where you come back each and every week and listen to us. And we really appreciate you doing that. And if you want more from us, you can follow us on our social media channels on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok at Box Office Bingers, our X and Letterbox page at Box Office Binger without the S, as well as our threads and Instagram page at Box Office underscore Bingers. Each one of those social media channels offer a little something different and just little just in case, like you're done listening to it, and you want a little extra more from us, like going into our into our Instagram page. We'll do movie showdown Mondays. We'll tell you what's new to streaming every Friday on multiple of our channels, um, and then you can see our wonderful faces on our YouTube page, where we also uh, give you. You can see the whole episode now. We're fully a show that you can see the entirety of, and then our TikTok and our well of our Instagram page. We we'll do some shorts of just little snippets of what a little taste of what each episode is. So all of that is available on our social media channels. media channels. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to us to talk about movies. Really do appreciate or appreciate it. Come back next week for more movie fun. You're not going to regret it. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya. <laughs>